welcome everyone to the community outreach meeting for Mystic Grow Inc. And uh, we are applying for a host community agreement with the city of Menford to establish a retail dispensary. And part of our mission is to create a wonderful experience for our customers and well as well as being a great member of the community of Medford and this has been a long process it's been a delightful experience working with everyone in the city of Medford and here's our company vision and I've handed out handouts for everybody on that here we are as the team I'd like to introduce the team we have Bill Hartley here tonight he's going to speak he's our chief operating officer and Greg Thomas is going to speak as well. He's our chief financial officer, as well as myself. I'm the CEO. And we also have Casey here tonight, and he is going to be speaking about um, all the compliance issues that go on to uh, a daily operations of a dispensary. And then there's Tracy here. She is our marketing creative service person. She's done all the lovely artwork and all the work on all of our presentations. And we have Maggie here as well. And she is not going to be as much speaking tonight, but she's available if anybody has questions about employment or the process of getting hired and what goes into being a bud tender or any, anything dealing with the cannabis industry. We're located, our proposed site is 415 Mystic Ave. It's conveniently located to 93 North and South. Uh, many of you that live in Medford are well aware of that location. It's set back a bit from the road of the main street of Mystic Ave. It's up on the hill. It's about an acre site. So as you can see, here's our location there. We have a driveway that goes right on to Mystic Ave, and we have about an acre site that allows us to have about 30 parking spaces for customers as well as employees. We have a 10,000 square foot building. Obviously not all of that is going to be used for the dispensary. Only 3,000 square feet has been set aside for the dispensary. Here's the aerial view. So you can see here um, how the ingress is and then how many parking spaces we can have, as well as we're gonna plan to put in some really nice trees and shrubberies. We're gonna try to, but set back for security purposes. We can't have anything near the building. We wanna make sure everything is well lit and, and has good exposure for our security system. So as you notice, there's, there isn't that much trees that are near the buildings and that's precisely because of the security aspect of it. This site is far enough away, it meets the setback requirements that it is far enough away from any of the schools and it doesn't interfere with any of the zoning issues that are faced in Medford for regarding sites. We also did a traffic study and our study does indicate that it will not have any negative impact, not any more than what is existing there as the business that is presently there. So right now, they have a construction landscaping company there. They have a lot of business during the day and, over the, uh, and on Saturdays as well. They have many big trucks coming in out. We will have more just cars, less trucks, but they, according to our study, it would not impact um, on the flow of traffic. And the, and the way we're gonna do the rest of the meeting is the next person that's going to speak is Casey, and he's going to discuss all of the various aspects of operating a retail dispensary and what goes into um, keeping uh, the people of Medford safe and secure 
minimizing nuisances, making sure that there's no diversion to minors. And then after that, we'll hear from Bill and then we'll hear from Greg. All right, so next up is Casey. All right, um, good evening, everyone. I just want to say thanks for um, this opportunity to speak to the residents of Medford. Um, so the first thing I'll be talking about is I, I focus on the compliance aspects of the organization, and that means dealing with security, um, dealing with state regulators, and dealing um, with the regulations outlined in 935 CMR 500 and all throughout there. So when we talk about preventing nuisances within and around the facility, first we talk about outreach and collaboration with community stakeholders. That means working hand in hand with the Medford Police and establishing a relationship with them before we open. It means working with other businesses that are in and around our area um, just to have established relationships with them so that we can all look after each other. On the actual facility, uh, we will have security that are stationed outside of the building. Um, they will have radios and the ability to communicate with staff and managers on the inside of the facility who can then um, alert uh, Medford police if there was ever to be any issues or even call ambulances if there were to be a uh, medical emergency or incident in the parking lot, which has happened in the state at times. Um, so when we talk about preventing nuisance, uh, we talk about collaborating on this multifaceted um, approach. When we talk about environmental controls and the energy efficiency practices of our facility, that starts off with partnering with MassSave, and we work with MassSave during the architectural review, um, and we plan for all the different ways that we can uh, reduce our energy output. Uh, moving forward, after the architectural review has been completed and the site plans are 100% fully developed and approved by the Cannabis Control Commission, we partner again with MassSave to conduct an uh, energy audit. And this is where we double check and make sure that we're as efficient as possible. Um, following that initial energy audit, each year afterwards, another one will take place with a MassSave affiliate. So um, hopping back to security, we will have um, security cameras posted throughout the facility. There will be switches underneath the cash register that will immediately alert our security companies and the Medford police as well who can arrive on site very quickly. Uh, but more than anything else, we prevent negative aspects that could occur uh, by all of our preventative measures. And that, you know, basically partnering with the community making sure that we have security out there, making sure that security is trained, that we have radios on us at all times, and communication is our best friend for all of those instances. As far as our cameras go, they uh, keep recordings for a minimum of 90 days, but ours will go um, back further than that. And they have an official time stamped, and we are required to submit uh, time stamped photos to the Cannabis Control Commission or the Medford um, law enforcement or community uh, officials upon request. All right, we can go. 
So an another key aspect of compliance and regulations with the operations of cannabis dispensary is making sure that we're conducting transactions appropriately. First and foremost, this means ensuring that no minor can even enter the facility or ever receive product from us. And we do this by ensuring that security personnel outside of the facility have an ID scanner that is up to date and ensures that it does not allow fake IDs or IDs that may have been manufactured illicitly. It does not allow them to enter and that is updated regularly right there. Uh, we also train our security staff on identification protocols. Some of those may be that when you receive an ID, you can ask the individual who gave it to you, well, what is your address? That may be an example if they don't know the answer. Someone who may have used an older brother or sister's ID to try and get in. So we first focus on training, we focus on our technology, and then we also focus on uh, multi-layers of identification checks. So the first identification check shows, uh, starts outside with security personnel. The second identification check will happen again when the individual is inputted into the point of sale software system. And that's, their ID will be checked again so we can get their name correctly. And then at the actual sale, there will be another identification check by the register agent on site uh, com conducting the transaction. Any customers who um, are found of attempted diversion uh, will be banned from the premises on site. If diversion has occurred, they will be banned from the premises as well. When it comes to our hiring practices, we're only allowed to have people work for the company that are over the age of 21, and they also cannot have been convicted of distribution to minors of that time as well in their prior history. We will not engage in any marketing practices that are targeted towards minors or um, towards individuals under the age of 21. And part of the way that we document compliance of that, of that regulation is that any type of marketing or advertising that we do, we will have documentation indicating that 85% or greater of the intended audience is over the age of 21. And we ensure that for all marketing and advertising practices. Um, and then our products will not resemble any type of um, humans, animal, fruit. Uh, we won't engage in any type of marketing also that has cartoonish or could look appealing to an individual under the age of 21. Um, and then we have, um, when you go onto the MGI website, or Mystic Grow Inc. website, uh, there is an age blocker there that you must be over the age of 21 to enter on, uh, enter the website as well in order to place pre-orders or so forth. Um, and next up will be uh, Bill Hartley. Hi, I'm going to talk a little bit about the market, the marketplace, and the opportunity. This year, actually in 2020, I believe there was about a million dollars in revenue generated by uh, retail cannabis stores in Massachusetts. In 2021, we're, we're on target to hit, I think it's about 1.2 billion, so it's a growing marketplace. So I am familiar really with the western part of Massachusetts, and we started a store there. So Boston is really a, a world-renowned tech hub. 
one would expect that new ideas and businesses would emanate from Boston. However, in the legal cannabis business, Eastern Massachusetts is a more mature market, uh, and we can learn from that. When I started in Western Massachusetts, I used data from Colorado, Oregon, and Washington to help with projections. I'll briefly mention a few important nuggets that we can glean from Western Massachusetts. First of all, adoption rates or willingness to use cannabis products will continue to grow across all demographics. Why? It's safer than opioids. It's likely safer than alcohol. It's likely safer than many pharmaceuticals used for sleep. In Western Massachusetts, I think that the adult adoption rates are over 30% now, which is absolutely amazing. When I was projecting this a couple years ago, I was projecting it at 7%. So even older people come into the store in Western Massachusetts and they buy topicals, they buy sleeping products. So it's across all demographics that the usage is growing. There's a lot more acceptance than there once was. The average purchase, some of the, some of the things I do want to keep in mind for our projections going forward, the average purchase in dollars is likely to drop. Um, I've seen those numbers from Colorado when I built projections three years ago, and I've seen it in my own store. A year ago, the average purchase was $200. Now it's about 80-something dollars. So I think the reason for that is that initially people had to travel long distances to buy their product, um, but not anymore because in Western Massachusetts, we're sort of at a saturation point. We have, in, in the store in East Hampton, there are 16,000 people in East Hampton and there are five uh, recreational stores. That means a population of about 3,200 3, for each store if you divide it evenly. That's a pretty tight market and that's what's going to happen here eventually. So within the next year, people won't have to drive from surrounding states like Connecticut, uh, New York, Rhode Island. I don't think that's going to have as much an impact in the Boston area because the, the population of Metro Boston is like 3 million. So I think they have enough population to support all of the businesses that will be here. But in Western Massachusetts, that will be an issue going forward. So what that does mean, though, is the saturation of stores will happen here, just as it has happened in Western Mass. And only those with an excellent location and strong fiscal management will survive. I know that Mystic will survive and thrive. I have a world of respect for Alexis. She is both an attorney and an accountant. I have seen her in difficult situations, and unlike many, she has come through with her integrity intact. Alexis has decency, discipline, and determination, all of which will be required. Although it is great for Medford, and diversity initiatives nationwide that Alexis is a female, it would be a great disservice to Alexis to ask for approval solely based upon gender. Yes, she is a female, but ultimately Alexis is eminently qualified and should be approved based upon her credentials. Alexis has pulled together a very strong team. I'm extremely optimistic about a mutually beneficial relationship between Medford and Mystic. Thank you.
sorry, just take a minute to get set up. First, I'd like to thank everybody uh, who made it out here tonight. I know the Sox game is on and it's raining, so I really appreciate uh, everybody taking the effort to be here. Um, my name is Greg Thomas. I'm the CFO of Mystic Row. Um, what I'm going to talk to you tonight is a little bit about what we've seen in the market um, and how we think Mystic Row can help to make a better Medford. Um, you know, if, if I look at it, at least, and I see this in towns across the country right now, especially after the last year or so that we've had, they're all facing a problem. In, in it's that they don't have enough money, right? And do people want their property taxes to go up? I'm sure if I asked everybody here, they're paying too much already. Um, businesses like ours can help communities by bringing in more dollars that go directly to the towns in the cities. That money then can be invested in the city. So what's the problem in, in the city today? Well, they, you know, they don't have enough cash, and that means they're having problems eventually meeting overtime first responders, and God knows those people have been heroes the last 18 months. Business closures, that means less sales tax, less property tax. Less money from state and local government, especially as other initiatives have, have and rightly so, have driven what, where that spending goes. Serve, eventually, services get cut back. As you can see here in the picture, and I'm sure we all know roads like this, you know, repairs get delayed. As we look at it, based on the numbers that, we, that we've seen, and, and these are conservative estimates, the location, given where it is, easy access from 93, high traffic area, it's really a great location. And with the right management team that Alexis and Bill and Casey and everybody else has put together, you know, we believe that this location can generate roughly $38 million in additional tax revenue to both the city and the state over the next five years. When we boil that down directly to the city of Medford, that's $14.6 million in taxes. That money, like I said earlier, it's going to go for better schools, better roads, better parks. They can invest in the library. They can invest in the arts. Things that this town needs to build a better community. That's what we're here to do. But it's not just about us being a business. The owners of the business are here from Massachusetts. Heck, they've been in Massachusetts longer than Massachusetts has been a state. Um, you know, we're, we're really committed to building strong ties within the community, with local ownership, with allowing our employees or team members to become owners in the business as well. We're not just here to take dollars out and then, and then go fly off to another country. We're here to help build a better town. And that's the goal with Mystic Row. So again, it's about money for a better Medford. You know, and I, as I said, it's about the arts. It's about building community. It's about, you know, giving the town the money it needs to invest in its schools for science, for education. Shopping, for sure, I mean, you see in the last year, shops have been, you know, shut down. As Bill spoke about, you know, the adult adoption rate is, is, is great. You know, 30% of adults are now using these products. Now, we, the goal with us and what we want to do in building a better community is so that they use them responsibly. So there's the education that goes into that as well. You know, the money can be used to help fund sports locally, the parks, and ultimately for infrastructure. At least from where I sit, the money that comes in for this, a lot of it's going to go to the town, and that money is going to be used to build a better Medford. 
So following on that, I want to thank so much uh, Greg, Bill, and Casey for their wonderful con contributions to today. And one of the things that we really need to look about for the tax planning for the city, uh, Colorado was very innovative with their additional new tax revenue that they derived from cannabis. They started to use that money to earmark and float bonds. That is something that Medford could consider doing. Of course, this is up to you as a community, but you do have the right to now be able to raise funds to redo, if you need to redo the school system or any public or municipal buildings, those are subject to um, obtaining a bond from for, for. And as well, this new source of revenue will give you a very good rating, and you'll get that means a really good interest rate for the city in terms of the bond finance. So again, Colorado has been using that as a way to expand their education and funding for education. This is always an option for Medford, uh, and it's up to the community to decide what they would like to target with this money. But I think that there's a lot of infrastructural improvements that the city needs as well. There's parks. I've been seeing that there's been this master plan that they're working on for the city. And again, having this additional source of revenue this is something that you can all decide what you think is the most critical needs that need to be met with this new revenue. So that is one of the biggest impacts, I think, that's positive for Medford. As for the adoption rates, when he spoke about the 30%, when we first started, what we thought the average percentage use of a per people at, uh, over the age of 21 for cannabis was about 7%. In comparison, for alcohol, it's about 68% of Americans will at least have one drink within the next couple of months, versus cannabis now is reaching 30%. So at this point in time, we are rapidly growing organically with the adult market, which means, and the market is very diversified, as Bill has said earlier. We are having people come in that would like to have, like, uh, uh, dealing with sleep issues, a relaxation. So there is, it is fulfilling a need, and it is something that now that it's available, we're seeing a more increased adult usage. And last but not least, um, I just want to talk a little bit about the positive uh, impact plan that I have. We have committed, MGI has committed, to helping various local organizations. I have picked the food pantry at the senior center as well as supporting the food initiatives for the municipality as well as helping with any of the green initiatives, which I saw that there was a Trees for Medford. I'd like to help them out as well as the community gardens. We are really trying to make sure that we are supporting the critical needs of this community. And we've set aside $30,000 a year where we will uh, disperse funds annually to the various charities that need it. This is what we consider being a good corporate neighbor. It is a part of our responsibility to Medford that we would like to continue to do that. We're not on, under any obligation to do it. We have committed to it. I've also made a commitment to hiring local residents as well. So that, will, that has been put into my formal application, as well as I've also set aside a percentage of stock to fund the employee stock option plan. This is not a normal cor corporate practice for cannabis, 
but I've already put it in black and white, and we are going to be funding that for our employees that do work with us and qualify. They have to serve, you know, for a time before vesting, but they will have that opportunity to be participate in this growth. And I think between all of that, it allows for a real knitting of our company in with the Medford community. It allows us through charitable contributions for encouraging people to work with us as well as allowing for st employee stock option plans we really are trying to make sure that we are participating with the community and sharing the benefits as well so i want to thank everybody today thank you guys for doing such a great job and i'm looking forward to hearing from all of you in medford and if anyone has any questions please come up to the podium and speak into the microphone because they need to be able to catch it for the recording. And that's it. Any questions? Questions? Oh, okay. Hi, um, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about your security on site when you're open. All right, well usually Casey answers this, but I can, Casey jump in if I, if I do anything incorrectly. So basically we have a 24 hour surveillance system and as Casey already discussed, we have the double and triple ID check. But one of the things that I have heard, I've gotten calls from the abutters because I sent out mailings to my abutters to tell them about this meeting and one lady called carol and she did ask about she was worried about if there would be any loitering or any kind of party-like atmosphere near the facility and i said to her no we have a no loitering policy in our you are not allowed to stay in our parking lot other than to come in and to buy your goods and then to leave we have this specifically because we don't want to encourage that kind of element, as well as it's security for my staff as well. Because the business is an attractive business, we have to be very careful in making sure that we do not allow for a loitering or any kind of commotion near the store. We don't want our, our staff to be worried, nor do we want our customers to feel at all intimidated or uncomfortable. So we do also have outside cameras that are running as well as clear lights as well. As I told you earlier, we have everything set up that there'll be surveillance on the parking lot as well as on the driveway. And this is really done with the express intention to discourage any potential problems. And that has been built into our plan. And we've hired a premier security company that will be working with us to make sure that we have installed it all the um, all the deterrence that we need to do. So thank you. All right. If there aren't any other questions, I just have one simple question. What is the mock-up on, on the, over your cost on the cannabis flower? What percentages? Thank you. Because what? What is the average then? Um, so that's an interesting question. That's really the markup on the cannabis flower has evolved a lot over the last three years. Um, we've seen in 2019, it was upwards of 
And then we have some companies now in Western Mass that are operating at 100% markup still. Um, but what we've been finding uh, with the companies that I'm working for now is that markups have uh, gone down around 80%. Um, it's probably going to stay around there, um, but some products, you, you know, um, will be marked down lower. It really goes on the amount of supply that you can get from the cultivators. Right now, there is a limit of supply statewide because the licensing process for marijuana cultivators is a little bit longer, and there is um, a shortage of marijuana cultivators statewide at the moment. I see. So what is your average mock-up on flower cannabis? Average. Average, probably around 80 to 70 percent. Thank you, sir. You're welcome.